Hello, and welcome to another episode of Nostalgic Mystery Radio. I'm your host, Stevie Kay, and it's my honor to bring you the radio shows of yesteryear. For this episode, I bring you P.D. James's The Skull Beneath the Skin, where private detective Cordelia Gray is invited to the sunlit island of Corsi to protect the vainly beautiful actress Clarissa Lyle from veiled threats on her life. Within the rose-red walls of the fairytale castle, she finds the stage set for death. So sit back and relax, and I hope you enjoy this Nostalgic Mystery Radio. Thank you for listening. Of course I knew about the threats. Who do you think was sending them, Miss Tolgar? I don't know. You know all Miss Lyle's friends. Haven't you any idea who it might have been? It isn't for me to make guesses. No, Miss Tolgar, quite right. Now, what about this afternoon? What did you do after lunch? The normal, before a performance. Which was? Miss Lyle always rests for a couple of hours. She has a tray of china tea made with lemon. I prepared that in the kitchen and took it up to her. Was anyone with her? Sir George. And then? Then I tidied up the bathroom and prepared a bath. I see. When I went back into the bedroom... Miss Grey was there. She went into her own room to change, and while she was there, Sir George left. I went shortly afterwards. I came back at quarter to three. I was worried in case Miss Grey hadn't called her. Were you happy working for Lady Ralston? My mother had been her nurse. You liked each other? We're used to each other. Can you think of a reason, any reason, why anyone should want to kill her? No. All one big happy family, were you? There's never a good reason for people to kill each other, even in happy families. It's all over the Sunday papers, Miss Gray. No, is it? Mine says she was, um, well, uh, battered to death. Uh, I can't believe it. And it's so horrible for you, Miss Gray. Well... Her husband, too, of course. Yes. Such a nice man when he called at the office. I suppose it was some kind of intruder. Mm-hmm. The paper does say her jewellery is missing. I do hope the police don't get any wrong well, ideas. I'm sure they won't, Miss Maudsley, but they'll be sure to check up on me and on the agency. Don't worry, just answer their questions. Oh, dear, yes. I suppose we must. But it's all so dreadful. Am I to show them everything? Well... Suppose they ask to see the accounts. <sighs> I did try to balance the petty cash on Friday afternoon, but it didn't quite, I'm afraid. I don't think the police will be interested in the petty cash, Miss Maudsley. They're oh. more likely to ask about Sir George Ralston's visit. <laughs> Let them see anything they ask for, except, of course, the client's files. Yes, They're Grey. confidential. Mm-hmm. And, Miss Maudsley, do tell Bevis to try not to be clever. Yes, Miss Grey. I'll ring again in a day or two. Bye. You could cut the atmosphere in this place with a knife. I'm going for a walk. Would you care to come? I'd like to have a word with you. All right, Miss Lyle. Inspector Grogan can always send for us if he wants us. You're supposed to be an expert in these things. When do you suppose we can get away? I've got a shop to look after. My partner can't manage indefinitely on his own. The police can't keep us here, surely. The investigation could take months. They can't legally hold us at all unless they arrest us. Of course, some of us will have to attend the inquest. But I should think you could leave tomorrow if you wanted to. Did you know I'd asked Clarissa for a loan just before she was killed? And she turned me down? Yes. I was there when she told Sir George. Have you told the police? No. That was decent of you. Considering I haven't been particularly pleasant to you. 
Well, if they want that kind of information, they can get it from the person concerned. They haven't got it so far. I lied. I'm not sure why. Panic, I suppose. It's odd. I'd never much liked the police, but I always took it for granted that in a crime like murder, I'd cooperate up to the hilt. I want Clarissa's murderer caught. Of course I do. So why do I feel so defensive? I know. I feel the same. It looks as though George hasn't told them about our quarrel either. Nor has Tolly, apparently. Clarissa sent her out while we were talking, but she could have easily heard. What do you think she has in mind? Blackmail? Oh, I'm sure not. But I think she knows. She was in the bathroom while I was there, and she probably overheard. Clarissa was pretty vehement. She was vehement with me. Vehement and offensive. If I were capable of killing her, I'd have done it then. You know, what I can't get used to is the way we all carefully avoid discussing who could have killed her. We're stuck here together. Life will be intolerable if we start hurling accusations at each other. Well, I don't think I can go on pretending to make polite conversation when we're all thinking about the same thing, avoiding each other's eyes, locking our doors at night. Did you lock yours? Yes. I'm not sure why. I don't for one moment think there's a homicidal maniac on the island. Clarissa wasn't killed by mistake. She was the intended victim. Who do you think did it? One of us who slept in the castle on Friday night. But who? Who? Can't be Ambrose. He never felt a strong emotion in his life. And he hasn't the ruthlessness. He does have a taste for horror. But at second hand. Disinfected by time. A tag of executioner's rope. A blood-stained nightdress. And it can't be Simon. He never even saw the marble arm. And anyway, he'd have confessed by now. <laughs> He's a weakling, like his father. As for Ivo, well, I, I know he's dying, and he may feel he's out of reach of the law. But where's his motive? Mm. I suppose George is the main suspect. But I don't believe that, either. He's a professional soldier. He wouldn't kill in that way. And certainly not a woman. Could be the Munters, I suppose. Or even Tolly. But I can't think why. That leaves you and me. It wasn't me. And if it's any comfort to you, I don't think it was you, either. Thank you. <laughs> Tell me about Clarissa. You spent a lot of your holidays with her as a child, didn't you? Oh, God, those awful Augusts. Clarissa's mother wanted her to have young company. And my parents were glad to have me fed and boarded free. We got on quite well then, oddly enough. United by our fear of her father, I suppose. She lived in terror of him. No wonder she spent the rest of her life looking for love. But then don't we all? I thought she adored her father, that he was an overindulgent, devoted papa. <laughs> Is that what she told you? How typical of Clarissa. He was a brute. Not physically, but that might have been more endurable than cold sarcasm and contempt. He didn't really like women. 
And Clarissa wasn't even pretty as a child. I was told something about her, something she'd done, and I thought she was a monster. But perhaps no one is. Not entirely. Not when you know something about them. She was a monster. But when I think of Uncle Roderick, I can understand why. Look, there's Grogan. You can see us from up there. Oh, yes. Hadn't we better be getting back? He'll suspect us of conspiracy. Isn't that my window? What's he doing in your room? I'm telling that young Bobby what to do, I suppose. They're reconstructing the crime, or what they think happened to Clarissa's jewel box. Look, he's climbing down the fire escape with a box in his hands. Why? There you are. He's throwing it as far out to sea as he can. And there's a diver there in that rowing boat. So they think it was a robbery. And the empty jewel box was thrown into the sea. Exactly. But my guess is that they'll find it still contains Clarissa's jewels. And for someone on the island, that would be very bad news indeed. All right. So now we know from the autopsy that Lady Ralston was killed by a blow from a blunt instrument. The subsequent damage was done maybe um, ten minutes later after death. So we have a murderer who sits and waits while she dies and then... What? Decides he didn't much like her and gives her a bit more. He could have spent the time searching for something and been enraged when he didn't find it. Searching for what? There's no sign of a search. If he was looking for something, he knew what he was about. My guess is that he found it. I wonder what Mrs. Beaton would reject as the most inappropriate meal for this kind of occasion. A borscht followed by a steak tartare. Don't you care at all? I don't like to think that she suffered or was in terror, even for a moment. But if you mean, do I care she's no longer alive, then no, I don't really oh. care. We'll um, have to serve ourselves, I'm afraid. I told Mrs. Munter to take the evening off and get some rest. Oh. Uh, Munter hasn't shown himself since lunch. Mm. If the police want to interview him again tomorrow, they'll be unlucky. Drunk, is he? I thought he might take to the bottle. Yes. I'm afraid this sort of thing does happen from time to time. It usually lasts three days. I suppose it's his release from intolerable boredom. This island isn't really congenial to him. He has an almost pathological dislike of water. Oh. Where's Roma? Oh, she says she has a headache. She took sandwiches to her room. I was rather wondering about Munter. Oh, my dear Cordelia, in what connection? I was wondering whether he might have found a way of augmenting his income. Perhaps a little smuggling on the side. Oh? The devil's kettle would be a useful unloading point. I noticed he keeps the trapdoor bolts very well oiled. Oh, what a little detective you are, to be sure. And on Friday night, I saw a light flashing out to sea. I wondered if it were acknowledging a signal. <laughs> well, of course, he is traditionally a smuggler's haven, and most sailors in these parts do a little amateur smuggling. Oh, it wouldn't amount to much, you know, a few casks of brandy, perhaps. Not that Munter is a sailor, he can't even swim. <laughs> God, there's someone in the garden. He wants to get in. He's trying to get in. Yeah, heaven, it's Monta. He's gone berserk. You! You're drunk, man. Murderer! Go to bed and sleep it off. Murderer! I'm, I'm so sorry, George. Of course, he's not responsible. Now, come on, Monta. Come on, you're a bit past it tonight. Let me help you upstairs. Um, give me a hand, Simon. Yes, of course. Poor boy. 
God, she was a bit. What? Now, come along, old fellow. Come on. I'm so sorry, everybody. I've never known one to behave in quite such a spectacular way before. Can't imagine what's got into him. Extraordinary fellow. Knew a chap at Santa's drank like that. Well, what happened to him? Fell into his own swimming pool and drowned. Drunk at the time, of course. Sir George! Sir George, are you there? What is it? What's happened? There's been an accident. Or worse. Worse? What's all the noise about? It's the fire! Sir George! Cordelia, what's up? Uh, are, are we all here? Oh, where's Simon? I, I'm here. Oh, that's all of us accounted for, then. Listen, everybody. I think... I think... What? What is it? Well, I could see the pool's just below my window. There's... there's someone in it. In it? You mean not swimming? Not swimming. Just... just down there, just... just below the surface, amongst the leaves. Below the... Oh, well, someone had better... Simon, will you? Yes, I'll go. I'll go in and see. I won't be a minute. Come on, let's get down there. No, it's no good, Simon. He's dead. He's probably been in the water for hours. There's no point. Oh, my God. But ought we to give up? I thought you were supposed to go on for ages. Not when the pulse has gone and the body's cold. Leave him be. He's dead. Can't you see he's dead? Come on, Simon. You're worn out. Here, put this towel around you. Thanks. I'm so very sorry, Mrs. Munter. When did it happen, do you know? How can I tell, sir? I don't sleep with him when he's drunk. No, of course not. But you must have heard him go out. He left his room just before 3.30. Well, we'd better get him indoors. Yes, but what if we to move him? Isn't it usual to leave the body till the police arrive? But that's only in a case of murder. This is an accident. He was drunk and he fell in and was drowned. It's perfectly obvious. I don't think it matters if we move him. It isn't as if we found him like this. Oh, I almost forgot. There's some kind of box down there wedged among the underwater plants. I felt it when I released the body. Should I bring it up? The jewel box! No, I don't think so. It, it felt larger, and I'm pretty sure it was smooth. He must have dropped it as he fell. Do you mind going down a second time? Uh, I'm all right now. Uh, I won't be long. I'll soon get it. Can't we at least cover him up? Of course. Could you fetch something from the house? Why, Cordelia? She's not your servant. Munter was. And you can't even bring yourself to say you're sorry he's dead. You didn't care about Clarissa, and you don't care about him. Nothing touches you. And who are you, for God's sake? Your grandfather made his money out of liver pills and gripe water. If it's of any interest to you, I would rather see all of you, with one possible exception, dead at the bottom of my pool than lose Karl Munter. He was caught under the netting. Here. Thanks. Now take it. Here. Wrap yourself up. Oh, thank you. Good Lord. I last saw this with the other musical box on the props table. He must have been taking it back to the tower room. But why in the middle of the night? Well, that's no reason. I mean, he was drunk. How about the other box? Well, that was kept in the business room. But unless Monta returned it, I suppose it's still backstage. Better get dressed, boy. You're shivering. Yes. Yes, I will. It won't be long. 
That boy has more talents than I gave him credit for. Uh, and how, incidentally, did he know what Clarissa's jewel box was like? I thought you only gave it to her, Ambrose, when she arrived on Friday morning. I suppose, like you and me, he's been to her room and been shown it. Oh, I, I realised that. I was just wondering when exactly. Why not leave all that to Grogan? One amateur detective in the house is enough, surely. I'll go and telephone the police. And I'll get back to bed. Mm. And after I've had my stint with Grogan, I'll relieve you of my presence here. Death is becoming rather infectious in your paradise. Well, I suppose we may as well go and see if the second musical box is back in the business room where it's usually kept. Mm, good idea. And by heaven it is. What's going on? The second musical box, it's back in the chiffonier. That's odd. So he did return it. Probably couldn't rest until he'd started putting things to rights. Except that he's changed them around. This one belongs in the tower room. How could you possibly know that? Because I saw it there on Friday afternoon while Clarissa was rehearsing. I went to explore the tower and found the room. I couldn't be mistaken. Well, they look very alike. But they play different tunes. I opened the box in the tower room, this box. It played green sleeves. The one at the rehearsal played the Scottish melodies that Lady Ralston objected to so much. So Munter went up to the tower and fetched this one for the performance. And that was yesterday afternoon. And that means that somewhere around the time of the murder, he was within a few feet of Clarissa's door. Oh. He could have seen someone entering or leaving. He could have gone into her room himself. And that's why he was obsessive about returning the boxes, each to the room he said he'd taken it from. Mm. He lied to the police. But they'd only have our word for it. And it's very convenient for us, isn't it? A dead suspect. The butler did it. Even in fiction, that's usually regarded as unsatisfactory these days. I think I can hear the police launches. Then I'll go down to the quay and meet them. I'll come with you. I'm curious to see Grogan's reaction to this second misadventure. Sir George, when we were standing round Munter's body, you recognised that drowned face, didn't you? What do you mean? You'd never seen Munter like that before, with his face upturned. But that's exactly how you last saw his father, wasn't it? Dead. Drowned. Blythe. Carl Blythe. The young man drowned in the devil's kettle by his Nazi compatriots way back in 1940. What on earth made you think that? Your face when you looked down at him. And the war memorial he decorates every Armistice Day. The words he shouted at you, murderer, murderer. It wasn't Clarissa's murder he was thinking of. It was his father's. But most of all, his name. Munter. Munter's German for carefree, isn't it? Carefree. Blythe. I didn't deliberately let them kill him. You don't have to explain to me. It's not my business. You were a young officer at the time. You can't have been in command here. No, but I was on duty that night. I should have discovered that something was up, but I hated Blythe so much I couldn't trust myself to go near him. He'd made my childhood hell at school. That's one thing you can't forget and never forgive. Mm. So I shut my eyes. You could call it dereliction of duty. And Munter must have grown up believing the army had murdered his father. I wonder why he took a job on this island. Curiosity? 
He couldn't have expected you to turn up. He might have hoped for it. He took the job in the summer of 1978. That's the year I married Clarissa. She's known Ambrose nearly all her life. They're both pretty much in the public eye. And I'm not exactly an entity. If the police arrest you, I shall feel free to tell them everything. No, Cordelia. It's my concern, my past, my life. But you must see how it will look. If they believe me about the musical box, they'll know that Munter was a few feet from your wife at the time she died. If he didn't kill her himself, he could have seen the person who did. Taken with that shout of murderer directed at you, it's damning. Unless you tell them who Munter was. No. If they arrest the wrong person, it means the guilty one goes free. Is that what you want? To protect whoever it is? The guilty one? We're here together, ten of us, on this small, lonely island, and one of us is a murderer. Come in. Do you mind if I talk to you? There are things I must ask you. Please, sit down. I want you to tell me how Clarissa looked when you found her. I keep lying awake and imagining. Didn't the police tell you, or Sir George? No. I asked Ambrose, but he wouldn't say. I'm afraid her face was completely destroyed. Could you recognise her at all? No. The police asked if I knew anything about a marble arm. Does that mean they think it was the weapon? Yes. It was in the display cabinet, along with a pair of handcuffs. The marble arm was found by the bed. It looked as though it had been used. Thank you. That's what I wanted to know. You didn't mention your visit to the tower when you were questioned yesterday? You didn't ask me. I didn't think it important at the time. Now those musical boxes have become significant. There's nothing else you didn't think important? I've answered all your questions as honestly as I can. Uh, that's not quite the same thing, is it, Miss Gray? Inspector, I'd like to go into Spamouth this afternoon. I want to get off the island for a bit. Will that be all right? Of course. But don't forget you'll have to be in Spamouth tomorrow at two for the inquest. It won't take long. We'll be asking for an adjournment. Mm. But you were the one who found Lady Ralston's body, and you were the last person to see her alive. The coroner will want you there. Mrs. Munter? Mrs. Munter, are you there? Come in, Miss Gray. I didn't mean to bother you. I, I just wanted to see that you were all right. And I'm going into Spamouth shortly. Is there anything I can get to? Thank you, no. And I'll be with you in the boat, likely enough. I'm leaving, Miss. I'm getting off the island. I know how you feel, but if you're frightened, I, I could share a room with you tonight. I'm not frightened. What's there to be frightened of? I'm leaving, that's all. I never liked being here, and now that he's gone, I don't have to stay. But Mr. Gorringe can see to the funeral arrangements. It's no concern of mine. But you're his wife. I never was. He wasn't the marrying kind, and nor am I. I will be leaving in the launch as soon as Oldfield is ready. What about tonight? Where will you stay? She'll be staying with me. Miss Tolgarth. I didn't see you. Mrs. Munter, I'd like a word with Miss Tolgarth in private. Do you think... You can use this room. I have a few things to collect from around the house. Thank you. Miss Tolgarth, you were with Clarissa when the first of the messages came during the run of Macbeth. 
tell me what they look like. You see, Miss Tolgas, I think it was you who sent them, and I think she guessed. She knew the wrong she'd done you, but she couldn't do without you, so it was easier to pretend. And then, as she hoped, you had a change of heart. Something made you feel that what you were doing was wrong. So the messages stopped. They stopped until one of the small number of people who knew about them took over. But now they were different. They, they looked different, their purpose was different, and the outcome was very different and terrible. I know I've no right to ask you, but just tell me what those first messages were like. They were written by hand, in capital letters on lined paper. Paper torn from a child's exercise book. And the messages? It was always the same message. A text from the Bible. Thank you. You've told me what I wanted to know. Miss Tolgarth, have you any idea who it was who took over? No. I concern myself with my own sins. Let others look to theirs. exhibition. Never mind. I'm, I'm glad it's you, if that's any comfort. I'd like to help. You can't. No one can. As you probably guessed, it's the usual commonplace, sordid little tragedy. But what is it? I've been chucked. Oh, dear. See this letter? He wrote it on Friday night. Oh. We only saw each other on Thursday. He must have known then what he was going to do. When did this arrive? I just got it from Oldfield. He brought the post over in the launch. Oh. Go on, read it. Oh. If he hadn't the decency to tell you to your face, he isn't worth loving. What's worth to do with love? Oh, God, why couldn't he have waited? He wrote a day too soon. I told him I'd get the money. I told him. Now it's too late. He was the only man who's ever wanted me. I knew why, of course. You can only deceive yourself so far. His wife doesn't much enjoy sex, and I was always available. Oh, All right, don't look like that. I don't expect you to understand. You can get love whenever you want it. That isn't true. Not of me, not of anyone. Isn't it? It was true of Clarissa. She only had to look at a man. One look, that's all it ever took. All my life I've watched her using those eyes. But she won't anymore. Never again. Never, never, never. Oh, dear. It's all right. It's all right now. Look, I, I have to go now. Roma, will you be all right? Don't worry. I shan't do anything stupid. I can tell you what will happen to me. I'll take my share of Clarissa's money and buy myself a London flat. I'll find a part-time job and go on foreign holidays with a woman friend. We shan't much enjoy each other's company, 
but it would be better than travelling alone. And every year, I shall get a little more fussy about my comforts, a little more right-wing, a little more lonely, a little more dead. They're all arranged by years, Miss Gray. We bind three months together. Of course, now the Chronicle's gone tabloid, the bound volumes are much easier to manage. See, uh, that's where the change starts, 1980. How far back does the paper go? Oh, the Spaybouth Chronicle was founded in 1862. It's been published without a break ever since. And still going strong? Oh, thank heaven. Oh, we've had our ups and downs, but we're part of a group now. The owners sold out soon after the centenary celebrations. Yes, we're holding our own against the free sheets. Now, uh, 1977, you said? That's right, the 19th of July. It's the theatre review I want. Oh, wasn't that about the time of the Royal Jubilee? The Queen came down here, you know. Quite an excitement. Yes, that's the week's edition I want, Mr Hasking. July, uh, July. Uh, uh, here we, here we are. Uh, we put out a, a bomber edition that week. Lots of pictures. You sure there was a, a theatre review? Uh, I haven't come across one. Quite, quite sure. I've seen it. Well, I'll go back. Oh, oh, good grief. Oh, good heavens. What is it? There's a page missing. Someone's cut out a page. I, I can't believe it. Look, page eight, page eleven. Someone's actually mutilated our official archives. Don't. Vandals. And that, Mr. Hasking, is the very page I wanted to see. Surely you've got another copy somewhere. Oh, not here. We don't keep back numbers beyond three years. I haven't got the storage space. Oh, the chairman and I have a complete set-up in London, and I, I don't know. We only bind one set down here. Oh, I can't get over it. Is there anyone you know who might have a copy of that paper? It was a pretty special edition. Oh, let me... Uh, uh, oh, I know... Miss Costello, try her. She's kept press cuttings on the royal family for donkey's years. Oh, a wonderful collection. We sometimes use her material for background. She isn't likely to have missed the royal visit to Spaymouth. Costello? Lucy. Miss Lucy Costello. Uh-huh. A dedicated monarchist. That's a somewhat old-fashioned creature these days, I suppose. Though there are an awful lot of us. Uh-huh. You know, I've kept a complete record of every royal occasion for years and years. And when I say royal, I don't mean just our own dear royal family. Uh, Just look at these scrapbooks. They go back 50 years, you know. I began my collection just after Daddy died. That was way back in the 1930s, well before the war. It was something to do, you understand. I'm 85 now. No. Yes, I am, my dear. And now it's my main interest. Oh, I do hope it hasn't become an obsession. I shouldn't like to think that I was obsessed. It's all arranged by years, you know. Mm-hmm. 1977, you said, didn't you? That's right. The week the dear Queen visited the town. Yes. What a day that was. Of course, the Spearmouth Chronicle gave the best coverage, so I took most of my cuttings from there. And here you are. Look at those pictures. Ah, now that looks like it. It's the right shape, at least. Uh, 
Miss Costello, may I beg a favour? Just to make quite certain, would you remove that cutting from the book so I can see what's on the back? It's very important. Of course. There's no difficulty with that. I only use ordinary stamp hinges to hold the cuttings in position. I can easily replace them. Just one moment. There we are. And on the back, Clarissa Lyle, Triumphs oh, and Vatican yes. Revival. Is that what you wanted to see? Yes, and no. It confirms that it's the right cutting, but this picture on the other side. Crowds waiting for the Queen. Now, what... Ah, oh, I see. He was there. It's him. Hmm. Could you recommend a firm of local solicitors? Well, um, I've heard Besick, Turner and Harrison are considered reliable. Mm -hmm. But you'd be wise to hurry. Little activity goes on in Spaymouth after five o'clock. Oh. I need some legal advice, general legal advice. Do you offer that kind of service? Well, it isn't usual, and I'm not sure it's altogether wise. Solicitors are rather like doctors, you know. We can't really generalise. Each case is uh, unique. But go ahead. You don't mind if I feed the tropical fish, do you? I want to know about tax avoidance. Do you mean tax avoidance, which is legal, or tax evasion, which isn't? <laughs> oh, look at him. Isn't he a beauty? That's the Dawn Tetra, an expensive little fellow from British Guiana. Mm, he's very beautiful, but I don't much enjoy tropical fish in tanks. And it's tax avoidance I'm interested in. Suppose I came into a very large sum of money, all in one tax year. Is it the fish or the tanks you object to, or perhaps both? They're perfectly happy, I assure you. Their small world has been scientifically devised for their comfort, unlike ours. Uh, now then, this large sum of money, you're not contemplating a bank raid, are you? I mean earned income. Money from a successful play or novel, for example. Well, if you were sensible, you would arrange your contract so that you didn't receive it all during the one financial year. But suppose I didn't expect it to be so successful? Then you could avoid paying tax on it by becoming non-resident for the whole of the subsequent financial year. You see, uh, those sort of earnings are taxed retrospectively. Could I come home for a holiday or weekend? Not even for a day. If you as much as step foot on UK soil during those 12 months, you'd mm. become liable for tax on all your earnings in the preceding year. And if I made a quick visit and concealed it from the Inland Revenue? Then you would be prosecuted for attempted fraud. Ah. And what would the tax be? Well, the present top rate on earned income is 60%. What was it in 1977? Ah, in those unregenerate days it was rather more. 80% or more on an income of over £24,000. So I could be ruined? Bankrupt, you mean? Indeed you could, if you'd been so ill-advised as to spend all your previous year's income in advance uh, on the assumption you'd avoided the tax. <laughs> I hope you're not in that precarious situation. Hello. If you're setting out fishing, could you land me on Corsi Island? I'm staying there, and the launch hasn't come back for me for some reason. It's terribly important that I get there. They say uh, a woman's been murdered there. Uh, yes, that's right. Murdered woman? Nothing new for Corsi Island. I'll be fishing off the southeast point. I'll take you, if you're sure you want to go. Oh, I'm quite sure. 
Thank you very much. Good evening, Cordelia. Have you eaten? Where is everyone? I was in bed. Um, not at all well, I'm afraid. He's hoping to go home tomorrow. Roma left mid-afternoon with Sir George. Simon's gone to bed, not hungry. Why didn't Oldfield meet me at Spamouth with the launch? Oh, he or I must have misunderstood. He won't be back till morning. To all intents and purposes, we are alone. Do you know why I went to Spamouth this afternoon? I went to find this cutting from the local paper. Hmm. Yes, I did wonder. Congratulations. I didn't think you'd succeed. Because you'd already cut it out of the newspaper archives yourself. Precisely. I destroyed it about a year ago. It seemed a sensible precaution. I found another. So I see. Oh, you look tired, Cordelia. Uh, would you like some of this claret or uh, well, all right. a brandy? Right. A claret, please. I, um, I came back to the UK to visit my uncle. I was his heir, and he wanted to see me before he died. He was very ill. He didn't understand about you know, tax-free years. He asked me to come, and so I came. And if you hadn't, perhaps he would have altered his will. Oh, unkind Cordelia. No, I genuinely liked him, and I valued him. He was his own man, like some ancient chieftain. Even then there was no danger. Then when he was clearly dying, he asked me to get him something he fancied. <laughs> A last taste of blue Stilton. He could have asked his housekeeper, but he didn't. He asked me. So that's why you went to Spamus? That's why. If I hadn't done that simple act of filial kindness, Clarissa wouldn't have seen that press photograph wouldn't have forced me into staging the Duchess of Malfi, would still be alive. <laughs> Odd, isn't it? We live by chance and we die by chance. With Clarissa, it was a matter of eight ounces of blue Stilton. Chance? But it was you who smashed her face in, and not once, but time and time again. How could you make yourself do that? Wasn't agreeable. And if it's any consolation to you, I had to close my eyes. When I opened them, Clarissa wasn't there. Once her face was gone, I couldn't even remember what she looked like. Clarissa was her face. And do you know, looking at her, I knew what I'd always known. The presumption that she or anyone has a soul is ridiculous. This life is all we have. We die as animals. We go into the night without hope. Millions of people share that belief, yet they still live good, kindly and useful lives. Mm. Because goodness, kindness and usefulness are expedient. It's necessary for comfort to be at least a little light. When I was 16 and first came to this island, I knew for the first time what I wanted of life. Not power or success or sex, with men or women, I wanted a place, this place, this view, this sea, this island. It's the 
only real passion I'd ever known. And I wasn't going to let a nymphomaniac second-rate actress take it from me. And so you killed her. Oh, my, my dear Cordelia, of course I didn't kill her. But do you really believe you're sitting here sipping Chateau Marco with a murderer? Oh, I congratulate you on your sang-froid. But, but if you I did... couldn't kill anyone. I thought you understood that. I haven't that brand of ruthlessness. Oh, no, she was dead when I battered her face in. Someone had been there before me. Someone? There was no upward spurt of blood. How could there be? All I did was to cover up for the murderer. Admittedly, it was mainly self-interest. I had to find and destroy that vital scrap of newsprint. But you should credit me with some disinterested concern for the killer. It pleased me to concoct a way of escape for him, if he had the guts to take it. After all, I did owe him something. I knew the cutting would be somewhere in the room. One of her little tricks was to keep it near her and to take it out of her handbag occasionally. I couldn't risk the police finding it. They'd be looking for a motive. It's never safe to rely absolutely on the stupidity of the police. So it was Simon. Oh, poor Simon. Where is he now? In his room. Perfectly safe, I assure you. Uh, do you want to know what happened? But he couldn't have planned it. Not Simon. Planned it? No. But she's just as dead, isn't she? He told me she asked him to go to her room. He was to tell everyone he was going for a swim, but he was to wait for half an hour after she'd gone up to rest, then knock three times at the door. He, poor deluded fool, thought she was going to tell him he could go to the Royal College, that she'd pay for his musical education. But why did she want to see Simon? Oh, we'll never know, but I can guess. Clarissa liked to make love before a performance. Uh, yeah, perhaps it gave her confidence. But Simon, that boy, she couldn't have wanted him. Oh, she may have thought she was doing him a service in more ways than one. Clarissa was totally incapable of believing that any normal man existed who wouldn't take her if he could get her. And who else was there? George, I'm sure, hadn't touched her since he discovered he's a cuckold. Ivo's had his turn. And I'm no use to her. But it's horrible. Oh, only because you're young, pretty and intolerant. A different boy at a different time might even have thanked her. But Simon Lessing's a romantic. What she saw in his face wasn't desire. It was disgust. What happened? How did you find out? I changed much quicker than I told Grogan. I was actually leaving my room just after twenty to two. At that moment, Simon came out of Clarissa's door. It was complete chance. We stared at each other. His face was ghastly. I thought he was going to collapse. I pushed him back into the bedroom and locked the door. He was wearing only his swimming trunks, and I saw his shirt and jeans in a heap on the floor, and Clarissa was lying sprawled on the bed. He'd brought the jewel box crashing down on her skull. But why... Did he say why? Oh, not very coherently. But neither of them had got what they wanted. Clarissa had taunted him with his sexual failure. She told him he was as useless to her as his father. And I think that was the moment when she lay there, half-naked on the bed, smiling at him, mocking him and his dead father together, destroying all his hopes. That was the moment that his control snapped. He seized the jewel box, the only weapon to hand 
and brought it down. And after that? I told him precisely what he must do. I schooled him in his story to the police. I took him into Clarissa's bathroom and washed off the small spot of blood. Then I found the newspaper cutting. It didn't take long. Her handbag or the jewel box were the two obvious places. Mm. Then I took him to the fire escape outside your bedroom window and told him what to do. He went down, carrying the box under his arm, and hurled it out to sea. But someone else was watching, weren't they? Mm. Munter had gone to the tower room for the musical box, and the tower room's windows, the only one which overlooks the fire escape. I know. He let it slip on Saturday night when Simon and I were helping him to his room, but it wouldn't have made any difference. Munter was absolutely safe. He would have taken any secret of mine to the grave. He did take it to the grave, and conveniently early. Yes, well, I didn't kill him, if that's what you're implying, nor, as far as I know, did Simon. That death, at least, was accidental. What did you do next? I had to work quickly. I cleaned the makeup from Clarissa's face so that the police wouldn't suspect she'd invited a visitor to her room. Then I set out to destroy the evidence of how she was killed and substitute a weapon Simon couldn't have brought because he didn't know it existed. Oh, I already had the marble arm and the note ready, as it happened. I was intending to put them in the casket that Clarissa would open in Act Three. <laughs> oh, I assure you the result would have been spectacular. I doubt if she'd have got through the scene. You sent all those threatening quotations. You took over when Tolly stopped. Oh, so you know about Tolly. Oh, I think I've underestimated you, Cordelia. Yes, I wanted to get back my privacy, my peaceable island. She would never return to Corsi if its theatre was the scene of her final humiliation. To do her justice, she wasn't a common blackmailer. She first saw that newspaper cutting in 1977. She hugged it to herself for three years before she needed to make use of it. It was bad luck that the restoration of my theatre and the crisis in her career coincided. Suddenly there was something she wanted of me, and she had the means to get it. And Simon conveniently provided a permanent solution to your problem. Oh, I hope it's a solution. You know, it's not going to be possible to shield him for much longer. He's beginning to drink. You must have seen it. And he's making mistakes. That gaff which Roma noticed, for example. How could he have known what the jewel box was like if he hadn't seen or handled it? And there would have been others. I liked the boy, but I was wrong about him. He hadn't the guts to see this through. Would have been. You liked the boy. Where is he? Where is Simon? I told you. In his room, as far as I know. No, he's not. Where is he? Oh, dear God, what have you done? Simon? 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 Down here. Simon, what's happened? Ambrose told me I'd be in prison for the rest of my life. That'll Broadmoor. I can't face that. I came to the devil's kettle. 
This is the best thing. Where's the key to those handcuffs? What have you done with the key? I chained myself to the top rung of the ladder and dropped it. I heard it hit the water. That was half an hour ago. The water wasn't even over my ankles. Leave me alone, Cordelia. This is the best way. Leave me alone. There's not much time. We have about another five minutes at the most. Watch out. I'm coming down. I can't stand it, Cordelia. Prison. Broadmoor. I can't stand it. Lied, Simon. Ambrose lied. Manslaughter isn't murder. You didn't mean to kill her, and you aren't mad. Cold. What is ice? Oh, show me, Simon. Exactly where did you drop that key? Show me. About here. I held out my right hand like this. Right. Then I let it fall. You hold on, and wish me luck. <gasps> We go into the night, Cordelia. No reward. No punishment. No afterlife. Nothing but darkness. And we go without hope. Got it. Keep your head high. I'm not worth it. I was there when Monta fell in. I could have saved him. I ran away. I pretended I hadn't seen. I'm not worth it, Cordelia. Don't think about that now. We've got to get you out of here. Now, if I can reach your hand, there. Now then. I'm so sorry, Cordelia. Oh no! Oh no! Please, God, no! Open the trap door! Open it! This is it. We're done for, aren't we? There's still a chance. We can swim for it. Come on, Simon. While there's still air enough. Now, now you go first. I'll be behind you. Ready? Now. Oh Lord, methought what pain it was to drown. What dreadful noise of waters in mine ears. What ugly sights of death. Within mine eyes. Oh, take it easy, girl. Lucky for you, I was still here. You saved my life. Oh, saved you a bit of a swim. That's all. You'd have made it. Two of us. There's the boy with me. We've got to find him. Huh? Well, no sign of anyone else. Why won't he be here somewhere? He's a strong swimmer. All right, I'll try. Well, you go into the cabin and get warm. Yes. Are you sure that the trap door was bolted? Did you try to lift it? At first, but I knew it was no good. I heard the bolt shoot home. You were frightened and cold. It might have fallen accidentally. It didn't. Uh. You understand the importance of what you're saying? Of course. We'll need to take you back there. I missed you last night. The police told me they found a hotel for you on the mainland. I hope it was comfortable. Comfortable enough. 
I can't remember much about it. You've, um, told them everything, of course? Of course. Hmm. I can almost smell their exhilaration. The case very nearly wrapped up. At the moment, I imagine they're still testing the trap door, trying to decide whether it could have crashed down accidentally, whether you really could have heard the bolts shoot home. After all, when they returned here last night, in a state, I might say, of some excitement, they found the trapdoor closed, but not bolted. And I don't think they'll get any identifiable prints from the bolts, do you? You killed Simon, and you tried to kill me. Me? My life counted for less than your comfort, your possessions, your private world. But it isn't true. No one tried to kill you, Cordelia. No one shot back those bolts. When you climbed down to Simon, you didn't prop it up completely. It fell. You were terrified, cold and exhausted. You hadn't the strength to shift it. And what about the motive? The photograph in the Chronicle? What photograph? Well, don't tell me you haven't discovered that it's missing from your shoulder bag. The woman I borrowed it from will remember. She'll tell the police. And even if they manage to locate another copy, which is doubtful, what will one ten-year-old smudged newspaper photo prove? Simon Lessing is dead. He killed himself after killing Clarissa. He confessed that to me before he disappeared. He fractured her skull, and he beat her face to a pulp in his hatred and disgust. Last night... Unable to face what he'd done, he tried to kill himself. Despite your heroic attempt to save him, he succeeded. That is my story, and nothing you choose to fabricate can disprove it. I won't yield an inch, now or later. I suppose if you opt out long enough from human concerns, from human life with all its messiness, you opt out also from human pity. Your visit to Corsi Island was not as happy as I would have hoped. I wish it could have been otherwise. I'm sorry, Cordelia. Truly sorry. Please forgive me. I do hope it's all right calling you. I wondered when you'll be coming home. There's a new case. It's terribly urgent. A lost Siamese kitten. It belongs to a child just out of hospital. She's only had it a week. She's dreadfully distressed. And Mrs. Sutcliffe's just rung. Her Pekingese, Nanky Poo, is lost again. She wants someone to go round at once. Lock up and start looking for the kitten. Ring Mrs. Sutcliffe and tell her I'll call round this evening about Nanky Poo. I'm catching the afternoon train after the inquest. Bye. Back to your lost kittens, Miss Gray. A bit of a come down. Oh, I don't know. Animals don't burden you with their psychological problems, nor surround themselves with possessions, nor scream with pain at the loss of love. They don't expect you to die for them, Chief Inspector, and they don't try to murder you.
Skull Beneath the Skin by P.D. James, dramatized by Neville Teller. Greta Skaki played Cordelia. John Moffat, Ambrose. Norman Rodway, Whittingham. Richard Vernon, General Ralston. Patricia Garwood, Roma. Richard Pierce, Simon. Geoffrey Whitehead, Inspector Grogan. Avril Clark, Tolly. Richard Tate, Munter. Anna Cropper, Mrs. Munter. David Googe, Sergeant Buckley. Brian Miller, Bezik. John Warner, Hasking. Joan Matheson, Lucy Costello. And Marcia King, Miss Maudsley. The Skull Beneath the Skin was directed by Matthew Walters. Mystery Radio presentation. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please feel free to like and rate this podcast on your favorite app. Also, there's a Nostalgic Mystery Radio YouTube page for your perusal to subscribe to. You can contact me by emailing me at nostalgicmysteryradio at gmail.com. I hope you have a blessed day or evening. And again, thank you for listening.